Today we continue our study of Shanaim Mikro, beginning Parshas Tetzaveh. In today's talk we will focus on the first Parsha from Rishon to Shani. Last week, if you were studying with us Parshas Trumo, we learned about the general construction of the Mishkan, the walls, the coverings, the enclosure, and we also learned of three of the internal structures or internal um, uh, furnishings of the Mishkan. And one of those was the menorah. But we did not study at all last week in Pasha's Truma anything about what exactly was to be done with the menorah. Obviously it was to light the neros, the candle bowls, but... Details were not provided. Here, in the first two Pesukim of the Parsha Atotitzave, we see clearly what, how the, the lighting of the menorah was to take place. That is, with what type of material. So the Ribbon Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, the Atotitzave es b'nei Yisrael, you are to command the Jewish people. And the Ramban points out that this is a this is a a, a um, di- digression or an exception to the usual rule. Until now, Moshe has been told the Osisa you should make or you should craft. Here it says the and the Ramban feels that the reason for this is because this mitzvah is not, as the others, a one-time mitzvah. You built the Mizbeach, you made the Kroshim, you built the enclosure, you did it, and that was done. This is something that had to be done constantly, every single day. So, therefore, it does not say V'yosiso, but rather V'yato Titzaveh. Espenei Yisroel. V'yikhuei lecho shemen zayis zoch kosis lamoor. They should take to you, for you, <coughs> for use in this menorah, uh, olive oil, clear, pure olive oil, kosis, beaten, lama or, so that the olives were not ground in a way that they would squeeze out every little drop and also shemorim, also bits of olive, but rather they were beaten or crushed in such a way that the oil would come out but that's all. There was no dregs or bits of olive in the oil for the menorah. Chazal tell us, the Gemara says, for other uses of the Shemen, like the oil which was used in the Korbonos Mincha, there it was okay to have, it was acceptable to have oil that was uh, ground and in which were Shemorim, in which were rinds, olive rinds. But for the Moor, it had to be pure Kosis Lamaor. Lamaor means for illumination. Lahaalos ner tomid. To light a candle. Not just to light, but to light up a candle. As Rashi tells us, Lahaalos means Shetehe shall heves olo me eleho. The flame, it's, it, wasn't just, it wasn't enough just to light the candle and see it lit and that's it. You had to be sure that the flame was indeed um, lit and glowing and burning and Going up. Tomit. 
Now, normally the word Talmud means constantly, 24 hours a day. However, Rashi points out that in this case of the menorah, it doesn't mean that the hat to be lit 24 hours a day, but rather every single day. So Talmud here does not mean continuously, but rather consistently, day in and day out. Ramban points out that one of the seven candles, the Nerma Arovi, the westernmost candle, or perhaps the central candle, were, did light, did stay lit for 24 hours. So that Tomid could mean constantly, all the time. But Rashi says Tomid means every single day, once a day. We learned that in the central chamber of the Beis Hamikdash, there was a paroches, a curtain, and the curtain, uh, behind the curtain, was the oron with the edus, with the tablets, with the Sefer Torah. But outside the curtain, that is to the east of the curtain, that is where the candle, the menorah, was placed, and that is where the neros should be lit. Aaron should arrange the candles so that they should glow, burn from evening till morning. This is a chok, this is a law for all time and eternity. As long as there's a mishkon, as long as there is a mikdosh, there's the mitzvah of hadlokas haneros. Now the posuk drops the inyan of the menorah and goes on to describe something very different. The Kohanim, the children, the descendants of Aaron, who will uh, do the actual service in the Mishkan and eventually in the Beis HaMikdosh, in the temple in Yerushalayim. These Kohanim were the servants of God. In fact, Rashi here says that the basic meaning of the word Kohen is not priest, but rather servant. Um, Rashi says, L'shon kuhuna sherus hu, that the meaning of kuhuna, of kohen, is a servant. These servants of God, these kohanim, when they did the service in the Beis Hamikdash or in the Mishkan, had to wear special clothing. Here we're going to learn about these special clothing, and especially the special clothing, the begodim, the clothing worn by the Kohen Gadol, by the chief Kohen, the so-called high priest. So the Rebbeinu Shlom tells Moshe, Perekhofches posok alf, v'yatoh hakrei ve'lecho es aron ochicho ve'es bonovito. Bring close to you, bring to you your brother Aaron and his children with him. They are to be elevated, in a sense, from the Jewish people to be servants for me, says God. They are, at this point in time, Aaron and also his four sons, Nadav Aviu, Elazor v'Isamor b'nei Aaron. V'yosisa v'gdei kodesh li'aron ochicha. You want to make holy clothing. V'gdei kodesh, clothing of holiness. For Aaron, your brother, lechavod ulesiferes, for glory, for kavod, for dignity, ulesiferes, and for beauty, for adornment. Why are they called big day kodesh, holy? Some mafarshim say, this is the uh, Ibn Ezra, that they are holy because they were worn in the service of kodesh. 
Rabbeinu Avrom, the son of the Rambam, says that they were holy in two senses. Number one, no one could wear them. No one could wear these clothing except for the Kohen Gadol. And the Kohen's clothing, the, the standard, the average Kohen, Kohen Hedjot, his clothing could only be worn by him, not by another. So therefore it was Kodesh, it was specific to the Kohen Gadol or to the Kohen. And secondly, it could only be worn, even the Kohen Gadol couldn't wear it at all times. He could only wear it when he's doing the Avodah, when he's doing the actual service. So that's why they're called Big Day Kodesh. Specific use, specific person uh, could could use them, not just anyone. The Chavod Teferes, for glory and for beauty. So here, the Ramban says an interesting thing. Lichavod Hashem Ultiferes Yisroel. Kavod means these clothing to be worn for the Kavod Shemayim, for the glory of heaven. Teferes for the beauty, for the beauty of the Jewish people. In order to begin to make these clothing, you need special artisans, special, uh, we would say, special tailors, special experts at making clothing. And these are called chachmeleiv, wise of heart. These are people, God says, these are people whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom. And these special chachmeleiv, these special artisans, they should make the clothing for Aaron to sanctify him. Wearing these clothing is itself the sanctification process of Aaron. So that he be initiated into the service of me, of God. Then there's a list of the begodim, of the clothing. We're going to go into a bit of detail, not exhaustive detail, but a bit of detail as to the um, design of each and the nature of each of these clothing, articles of clothing. Now notice there are a total for the Kohen Gadol of eight articles of clothing, but only six are mentioned here. Choshen, the breastplate. Ephod, it's kind of an apron, um, basically around the, but just above the waist, down to the floor, around the Kohen Gadol. Umi'il, Umi'il is a tunic or a cloak which is worn. Uchisones tashbeits, and also a specially designed fringed shirt, which basically was worn as the undershirt or the shirt on the very flesh of Aharo, of the Kohen Gadol. Mitznefes, a turban, the avnet, and a belt. The belt was worn around the kisones. The asuvig de kodesh, and they, these chachmeleiv, these wise men, wise men, should make this special clothing. La Aaron ochicha, for Aaron your brother, ulivonov, and for his children, that is for his successors as kohanim gedolim. To serve me. Notice that six articles of clothing are mentioned: Choshen, Ephod, Meil, Chesones, Mitznefes, and Avnet. There are two that are not mentioned. And the Mephorshim say the Michnosayim, the trousers or pants which the Kohen wore, 
Kohen Gadol wore, Kohen Hajot also wore, but the Kohen Gadol is one of his eight begodim. Uh, it, it's not necessary to mention Mifnosayim, the Mepharshim say, because after all, everyone, everyone wears these kinds of clothing. This is the Ibn um, Ezra and the Tur who say this. Um, the Rashbam adds that it's not necessary to mention the Mifnosayim, the trousers, because we're only mentioning those articles of clothing which the whole world sees. You see the beauty and the splendor. The trousers are kind of an undergarment and therefore are not mentioned here. The tzitz, the uh, frontlet, the gold, almost like a crown, which he wore beneath his um, turban um, across his brow, that's not mentioned here. Um, This is for several reasons, Mepharshim say. The tzitz is not an article of clothing, it's more an article of adornment. And the tzitz, of course, has a special place, special halachic role. We will learn about the tzitz, the frontlet, the diadem, it's often called, uh, later. But these are the uh, eight uh, begodim. Um, we will go through these begodim and explain them one at a time. The as we come across them, I want to begin now with simply with the ephod. The ephod, as Rashi describes it in great detail, is an apron wrapped around the kohen gadol and open in the front. This is the ephod. It was began from a little above his waist and extended down all the way to the floor. The ephod had around its rim a band called the cheshev ephod, which was a band sewn in part of the ephod. And then from the back were two kisfos, two shoulder pieces, almost like suspenders, going from the back frontwards over the shoulders, so that they kind of looped over the front shoulders of the Kohen Gadol. But they began, as we will see, attached to the cheshev ephod, attached to the band around the ephod in the back. This is the ephod. The choshen is a breastplate. The chesones is an undershirt. Around the chesones was the avnate, the belt. Over the chesones was the me'il, or tunic, or cloak, or overcoat, a jacket, in our sense. And the mitznefes is a turban. On his head really placed back on his head so that there would be room in front of the turban for his tefillin. The puzzle continues. The ephod was to be made of threads, but whereas we learned last week in Parshas Truma, that various things in the Mishkan, for example, the ureos, the lowest innermost layer of the covering of the Mishkan, was made of four different fabrics, linen, techeles, blue dyed wood, wool, argomon, purple dyed wool, and tolas, uh, and sheish linen, and talashoni silk, four types, techeles, argomon, talashoni, and sheish. And of those four, Every strand was made up of six threads, six threads of treles, six threads of argomon, so that there were four strings, each with six threads, 
for a total of 24 threads. Here, there's an additional material besides the wool of two colors. The silk and the linen was also gold. That is, they took gold and made gold threads. As Rashi describes the process, they flattened out sheets of gold and then finally cut the sheets into, into strands. And the way was, was as follows. There were four strands, but each of the four strands consisted of seven threads. So that there was one strand which consisted of six threads of linen. In that was also one thread of gold. Then there was a second strand which had six threads of argomon, of purple colored or scarlet covered colored wool together with those six threads was a seventh thread of gold. And there was a third strand of six threads of silk and one thread of gold. And then there was a fourth strand of six threads of treles of blue colored wool and woven in there too was a strand of gold. So you had a total of 28 threads in the total uh, cord which composed the material out of which the aphod was woven. So imagine the splendor, the beauty of this aphod, of this apron, which was composed of all these multiple colors and fabrics, blue and red and linen and tolas, shoni and gold. So that's what the aphod is made of. Zov, treles, argomon, tolas, shoni, It was woven woven into one whole fabric, one apron or aphod. Now, on the aphod, there were these shoulder straps. Imagine suspenders. Behind him, on the aphod, imagine him he's wearing an aphod. It's open in the front, but all wraps around his back. Back or above his waist, on the left, above his waist, on the right, are attached the shoulder strap. They were made separately, vichubar, and they were attached to the aphod. Vichesha, that's the, these are the shoulder straps, and they loop over to the front. The left one goes from back to front, right one back to front, so that now in front of him, looping over his shoulders, are the two kisphos, which are attached behind him to the aphod. So now there's a band around the aphod, around the waist, asherolov. This is made exactly as the aphod was made. It's part of the aphod. So we have this aphod. Uh, there's a waist band around it. There are kisfoso aphod attached to it. Now these kisfoso aphod, imagine at the shoulder top, you take two precious stones called the shoham stone. Some say this is the gemstone lazuli. In any case, the shoham stone. Take two of these stones, these gemstones, and carve into the gemstones. Carve into them the names of the twelve tribes. Six tribes, the names are on one of those stones. 
the Yeshemos, Hashishoha, Nosorim, and the six other names of the tribes are engraved Al Ho'even Hashenis upon the second gemstone, Kisol Dosam, in the order of their birth. Now there are various opinions as to actually how this was done. We will just follow Rashi. Rashi says, it follows the order of their birth chronologically so that on one gemstone are the words Reuven, Shimon, Levi, Yehuda, Don, and Naphtali. And on the second are God, Osher, Yisotzchor, Zavulun, Yosef, Binyamin. Binyamin spelt Mole, Beis Nun, Yud, Mem, Yud, Nun. And that's the order of their birth. Count the letters and there will be 25 letters on each side. 25 on Reuven, Shimon, Levi, etc. 25 on God, Osher, Yisotzchor, etc. 25 letters identical, balanced each one. Ma'asei chorash even. Pituchei chosom tefatach eshtehu avonim al shmos b'nei Yisrael. These names are to be engraved into, engraved into the stone. And these gemstones don't stand alone, but they are placed in a gold setting, a gold background, and that gold setting is called a mishbetzes. So that these gold, these gemstones, each with the each with six names of six of the tribes on them, musabos mishpitzosahov are surrounded, are encircled, are embedded. The gemstones are embedded in these settings of gold. Taasosam. That's how they're supposed to be made. You now take these stones and the setting and attach them to the shoulder straps. So that at the shoulder, the front, just in front of the body of the Kohen Gadol, but at shoulder height, attached to the shoulder straps are these gemstones. The function of these gemstones is to be Avne Zikoron Levne Yisrael, gemstones of remembrance for the Jewish people, so that God should remember the Jewish people. Aaron, the Kohen Gadol, carries the names of the twelve tribes of Israel on his body, so to speak, on his uh, shoulders. Al on his two shoulders, lezikaron for a remembrance. Rashi says lezikaron means so that God should remember. So that God should remember the tribes of Israel, the Yizkoritzitkosom, and remember their righteousness. That's the meaning of Zikaron. The classic commentary on Rashi, the Re'em, Rabbeinu Eliyahu Mizrahi says, that Rashi insists the Zikaron means that God should remember. Not that they are reminders so that Aaron should remember the Jewish people. But rather they are reminders God should see these names on Aharon's shoulders and remember the Jewish people. However, the Sforno says an interesting thing. He says no. That these names are to be worn by Aharon, by the Kohen Gadol, so that Aharon or the Kohen Gadol should remember the Jewish people. He should have in mind the Jewish people. The words of the Sforno. Lahasig rachamim al Yisrael it is the Kohen Gadol's duty and function to 
pray for the Jewish people and therefore he must have the Jewish people in mind and the way he keeps them in mind is being by being conscious of the fact that those names of the 12 tribes are on his shoulders. The commentary, Mincha Belula, which I mentioned from time to time, a beautiful commentary, rarely quoted, has a different shot. He says that the gemstones had the uh, were a, a kind of a, a primer, a primer, to, to prime the pump, so to speak, of Aharon's nevuah. Aaron had to have a koach of prophecy. And what stimulated the catalyst of that prophecy was the fact that he had the Jewish people inscribed on his shoulders. These helped him um, plug into, this helped him stimulate his koach hanavua. And that's the meaning of in any case, we have reached Shemi, and we now have in some detail uh, one of the eight uh, articles of clothing of the Kohen Gadol of Aharon, and that is the Ephod, which itself consists of several parts, the Cheshev, the band around it, the Ephod being an apron sort of garment, the band around it, the shoulder straps emanating from behind him, curling over in front of him. On those shoulder straps, the Avne Shohem, Shoham, each of them set in a Mishbetzes, in a frame or setting of gold. And these Avne Shoham had engraved upon them the names of the twelve Shavotim, six on one side, six on the other. Tomorrow, Mitz Hashem, we will go further in further detail uh, but now we have reached Shani.